offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, my name is Vanessa, and I'd like to welcome you to Sabbath School U. Today we're talking about the crisis in Eden um, as it transferred from heaven where it started down to our earth where we live now. And I have with me today some special guests, Elroy, Gina, and Rich. Thank you so much for being here. And as always, we're going to get started with prayer. So, Gina, please do the honors. Um, thank you. <clears throat> Querido Padre que estás en los cielos, queremos que por favor estés con nosotros ahorita, que vamos a estar estudiando tu palabra. Ayuda, ayúdanos en este momento para decir lo que tú quieres que digamos. Guíanos en tu palabra. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén. Amén. Thank you so much, Gina. So we're talking about crisis um, for a second week again. Um, crisis, what does the word crisis mean to you? I want to start there first. Why, why the choice of crisis when we talk about Lucifer's fall from heaven, the conflict, you know, the start of the great controversy, and how it got you know, here now to our world and our, our created beings, humanity? When I think of crisis, I think of disorder. Disorder. Mm -hmm. Disruption. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I think of crisis in contrast to words like blunder, the mistake, the, the, you know, the fault in heaven, it kind of carries with it something that means the implications of this event, whatever it is, are going to be a lot longer lasting than we can even imagine. Okay. Something like that. So, yeah. So it's kind of like this momentary passing thing. Right. Like we made a mistake, but, you know, if we just keep going, it'll get better. Yeah. It's more like crisis, meaning, like, things are falling apart mm -hmm. and there's a mm -hmm. drastic change. Right. And it's almost maybe, you know, something that wasn't anticipated. Like, this mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. We didn't see this coming kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I just think uh, dark situation, problem that there's no uh, short-term solution to, mm. that there's a lot of, you know, discussion about how we're going to get out of this or, you know, how you can rectify the situation, correct mm -hmm. the situation. And uh, that's what I think of when I think about the word crisis. Crisis in Eden. So basically when we say that, we're saying that Eden was a place where who lived? Adam and Eve. Adam, Adam and Eve and who else? The, the creatures. And God was there with them, right? <laughs> yeah. God would walk yeah. with them. So they had their their environment was mm -hmm. stable and positive, and then there was a crisis. There was an interruption. Right. And what what do we know about that interruption? Well, I mean, from what we heard from a previous lesson, wherever there is harmony, eventually someone comes in and creates disharmony. So at this point. Uh, the gentleman, I don't know if he's a gentleman, but the character <laughs> who is no longer Lucifer. The antagonist. The antagonist, <laughs> yes. the accuser. Da, da, da. <laughs> we got to add that in, right? Right. Uh, he comes and he finds out that his life is destroyed. And mm -hmm. so as his life is destroyed, he wants to damage God, the creator, um, yeah. as much as possible by, by messing with his creation yeah. and the prize of his creation, which is humanity. So he comes to Eden and starts to Misery wreak loves havoc. company. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. There you go. And like uh, Gina said, he sought to wreak havoc. And the first thing that I think we notice is he comes disguised. Mm. He comes disguised. So this gentleman doesn't come <laughs> as a gentleman. Mm. Um, but he selects a very, what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, is a crafty creature. Do you want to go there? Let's go there. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 3, it's the first book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, 
And let's look at verse number one, Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay. I've never understood what that means. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. What mm. does that even mean? Well, if I might give an example uh -huh. that has helped me to understand what it might mean to say cunning, I think it's talking about the serpent's IQ, if I can say that. Okay. Um, we've all seen dogs. Some of us might have had pet dogs. And one of the consistent comments on dogs is, man, they, these are smart creatures. You know, they come when you say come. They sit when you say sit. They go when you say go. Okay. And they seem to be able to respond to commands. Humanity. humanity. Right. And so um, if you think of a dog, an intelligent dog, a trained dog, and then just multiply that by maybe 50, mm. maybe you get a serpent. Um, nowadays, I don't think serpents come when you say come, <laughs> go when you say go, they're roll over. Yeah, then I have a conversation. But maybe then um, the IQ level was drastically different. Mm. Anyway, but you were going, you had a point. You well, were going yeah. Um, the only point was that with Lucifer, or this gentleman disguising himself, mm. I think that he kind of gives us a little hint at how he does things. I'm going to come in ways that you least expect. And because I come in ways that you least suspect, that's going to be a subtle attraction. Like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Serpent, tree, talking to me. Hmm, let's see. Um, and I think it's still at work today that, that I'm going to start in disguise. I'm not going to really show you my true colors yet. And curiosity. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, I feel almost as if Satan at, at that point had been watching them for a while. Okay. And he had an idea of how they functioned for, what, for him to come up with that strategy. Sure. He's, I'll say, isn't that scary though? Like, you, I remember in a cartoon, um, I think it was Bugs Bunny. He's like, "Did you ever get the feeling you were being watched?" Mm -hmm. I remember him saying that, and so it's weird. When I thought about that, I was like, "Man, like, like, what if we're always being watched? We're under this microscope, and uh, someone or or something is watching us, trying to deceive us every day." Wow. And I, and I think that that point is so very important because of the fact that we're talking about Adam and Eve. These are people who had daily conversations with God. They walked with him. You said he was a part of their environment. Yeah. That vertical, as you say, relationship was there, and it was strong. Satan, as the cunning snake that he was, knew he didn't have a big chance. He had a very slim, a very, very a minute window of, window of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he was going to study them. He had to devise a plan that had a chance of working. So he had to study them. He had to, knew, to know what kind of tact to use when confronted against these people that had such a deep relationship with God. Hmm. But he was still managed to pull off his crisis. Exactly. He wanted, to, he wanted to be the bomb that blew up that happy family. Definitely. Mm -hmm. okay. so, so what more can we say about, about the fact that they were perfect in harmony and they were, the one thing that jumped out to me about the lesson was in the very introduction it says um, Satan exploited them yes. for his own purposes. Mm -hmm. Like he used them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, how do Heavy we, word. what can we learn from this crisis in Eden to prevent ourselves from being exploited when they were perfect? Right. And they were with God, they had that daily right. relationship. I don't want to be a chess piece in, yeah. his, mm -hmm. in his game. I think it's always going back 
to the Lord, you know, uh, for truth. And I think that was where <laughs> Eve kind of messed up, you know, because uh, literally after it talks about how cunning the serpent was at the beginning of Genesis 3, he's like, well, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Right. So all of a sudden he's challenging God's authority. He's challenging Eve's relationship with God. He's challenging everything here. Mm -hmm. And so if Eve, I'm not saying Eve wasn't smart, but if she really thought about it and processed it, she would be like, well, you know, maybe I should go back to God about this. God, what did you really say? Well, more like send him to God. Like, why are you asking me what God said? Mm. <laughs> Ask mm. him. Mm. Wow. You know, that's a powerful point um, to think that he didn't go to God. Right. You know, he, he was very God. tactful. I'm going to go to these people. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of draws in from the previous lesson where the crisis was in heaven. And it's almost as if he's through with God. He's like, all right, fine. Well, I'm going to now busy myself with attacking uh, your creation. And so he comes to them, and the first thing he does is try to insinuate doubt with what God has said. Because mm. it wasn't like he didn't know. Exactly. Mm. It wasn't like he didn't know. Go ahead. Bro, this just hit me, though. What if Eve was looking at the fruit before the serpent came? What if right. he caught her glancing at this thing every now and again? Right. And he's like, you know what, let me catch her mid-glance. You know, so she's kind of caught off guard. She's already pondering on this. Yeah, thing. her mind was already on the fruit. Because the, in Genesis 3, you know, it just kind of starts off with him raising a question. And so how do you see this? Is she kind of just walking by and it's just like, <laughs> has God said? And she's like, you know, who said that? Or is she at the tree already? You know what I mean? I've never we really thought know. about that. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but the question, I think, what we can conclude is that he was trying to first get some doubt in there about what God has said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can get you to converse with me, because I can get you to converse with me. If this is a cunning creature, mm -hmm. then, you know, you might, <laughs> you're going to lose this battle. Mm. I feel like we should go back to Genesis 3, um, because I feel like the the three characteristics of the fruit, for me, I feel like like Satan was trying to get her to reason the way he did in heaven. Yeah. Because mm. we were talking in the last lesson about how he had status and he had... Um, you know, a certain aura in heaven, and he had um, ambitions for more. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like he's projecting onto her his his idea of more. So then when we're in Genesis 3, um, and then we get down into verse 3. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Genesis 3, verse 6. There's descriptors there. And I'm, I'm an English major. I'm an editor. So I'm always trying to, like, the words to me, I don't think are, are by coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. So there's three things in verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was, A, good for food, B, pleasant to the eyes, and C, desirable to make one wise. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was all these three factors. So he maybe maybe he did see her. She was looking at it, not looking at it, passing it, not passing it. But he brought it to her attention. Right. Mm. Like, hey, have you stopped and really been curious about this tree yet? Because sure. here's all the benefits you can get from it. Sure. And who's trying to keep that from you? Right. God. The very one who put the tree there. Put the there. tree there. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So he's playing on all different, th you know, so many different realities. Mm -hmm. You know, why would God create this? but then prevents you from having it. And it's funny you say that because I think sometimes <laughs> that's the dangerous word when we keep asking why. Yeah. I think it's great to question, but then when you're questioning just for the sake of questioning, that's where the danger game starts to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I mean, you and your kid and, and then uh, your mother or your father is like, oh, don't touch this. And you're like, why? Right. Because I da-da-da. Well, why? 
because I would have, well, why? You know, when you mm -hmm. keep playing that game, I think that's the dangerous road. Satan goes, uh, this time, he's, at this point he's Satan, he goes to Eve and he's just like, well, didn't God not say, like, you know, and why shouldn't you, sure. da, 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 you know? So I think those questions started to um, play around in her mind, and that was the beginning of the fall. Yeah. Can you think of any Bible verses that help us not do that? Yes. Yeah. Psalm 119. Let's go. Let's go there. Psalm 119. This is a verse that my grandmother actually uh, helped me to memorize when I was a little boy. Psalm 119, verse 11 is one that we could almost recite wait, from wait, memory. Wait. She she had you memorize all Psalm 119? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Verse one. Like, <laughs> verse one. <laughs> no, no. Psalm 119, verse 11, and it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The last two words of that verse really impact me because it really harnesses what we spoke about in the previous lesson about the vertical relationship really being pivotal. Mm -hmm. If it ended just saying that I might not sin, it could kind of mean so I might not, you know, break this commandment but against you really hones in to say, so I won't damage this relationship. And the word was hidden in the heart. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is the very thing that the enemy targets in Genesis chapter three, the word of God. Because if I can get her to doubt the word of God, then that's going to impact the relationship. And that's really what I want to get at. I want to damage the relationship. And the relationship is built and held together based on God's word. And he first starts with, God didn't say this. And then, you know, it ensues from there. But to answer your question, I think that this is a, a passage that can help us. Hey, keep you the word hidden in your heart, and that will help preserve the relationship. But you, you're, okay. So basically, keep the relationship. Yeah. The most, the, the focus of your gaze. Definitely. Do you ever feel like she was defending him? Defending God? Yeah, because, because Satan says, did God really say? And she's like, yes, he did. He said we shouldn't eat it, nor should we touch it. Do you ever feel like she was trying to correct the serpent? Like, well, correct him by actually touching the fruit? And no, correct him in, the, in that conversation before she makes her choice. I almost feel like, because again, yeah. no sin. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect being. So uh, I'm trying to just understand how a perfect being can go from, well, you seem to be misinformed you're asking me a question, let me answer you. No, right. God, that's not what God said. This is what God said. It's almost like, I know him. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you what he said. And prior to this, all conversations around the tree were probably in conversation with people who agreed. Mm. This is kind of the first test of uh, an opposing viewpoint. Uh -huh. So there was a lot of group think. There was a lot of group think. So, you know, I'm talking about this with Adam, talking about this with God, and all of us share the same viewpoint. Okay, God has said it, we're cool, but now, no one else has questioned her to say, well, what do you think about it? You know, do, is, is that what he really is said? That really, really said? You know, mm -hmm. does it mean something else? And so I'm not sure if it was her trying to defend God or her really trying to grapple with this newly introduced contrary thought. thought. Hmm. What do you all think? And he was trying to make her, I, I, I see what you're saying. He was trying to make her think about it in a different light. Like you said, she is a perfect being. And then when you asked about um, any verses that help us not question what has been told to us by God, to mine, Proverbs 3, 5. Um, this is classic. It, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. 
And so when he asked her, well, what did God say? She didn't say, oh, well, I know that this is the, the, no, she said, this is what he said. He doesn't want us to eat it. And then that's when Satan starts th- saying, well, no, you know, you're not going to die. You just mm-hmm. <sighs> trying to excuse God's trust, the trust that she had with God. He wanted her to lean on her understanding and even on his understanding of what that fruit, eating that fruit would entail. So now we, so the crisis happened. There's, there's a shift in perspective. She's, she's telling him, she, this is what God says. He's telling her, actually, no, I'm going to contradict God. She makes her choice. Now, what are, what are the results of this crisis? And I mean, we're, we're feeling it now. Wait, wait, let's, let's stay with Eden first. Oh. <laughs> the immediate results in Eden. What are the results? A word comes to mind and it's suggestion. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is as soon as she partakes of this fruit, the Bible in a summary fashion just simply says she gives some to the man. Mm-hmm. And he eats also. Um, I'm not sure if this was kind of like a... Or yeah. was it like, look, you will not believe what, you know, look at this. And in the same way that something was suggested to her, she now reproduces that pattern by suggesting it to another. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is one of the most immediate results of the crisis is the crisis always produces like suggestions. Mm -hmm. And it happens like clockwork. Um, It almost takes on a life of its own. Definitely. And that's something that I feel like we need to understand about our enemy. He doesn't need to do the work. Mm. He puts the seed and you know, water and lets it just grow wild like weeds sure. in your garden. Like he's not over there. The best thing, my, in my understanding, that that the Satan can do now that our humanity has fallen is just set things in motion. And right. then we we are working for him basically. He didn't yeah. go to Adam. She went to Adam. Wow. So you almost become a proxy, right? As it were, right? Footman or foot soldier. But doesn't it get to a point where you start questioning the wrong person's motives? Because I think that's what happened there. Okay. She, I think she started to question, in a sense, God's motives rather than the serpent's motives. Mm-hmm. And so if you are going to question, then question um, right. question the questioner or question those motives. Right. Why is this person telling me this? Uh, how am I to benefit from Which this? is another question that I thought of earlier, and I forgot, but now I remember it. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the results of this crisis, and we're talking about, um, you know, the, the outcomes of the choices. What did Satan have to gain by using humanity? Ammo. Because again, we have to remember that, and you mentioned it before at the, at the top of the lesson that um, you don't want to be a chess piece in his hand, and neither do any of us. Um, so he's just kind of using these people as a means to end, which is I'm going to try to defame the character of God as much as possible. And so one of the ways, notice he doesn't go to another animal. Mm-hmm. You know, and say, man, if I can get the dogs to turn. <laughs> because those elephants. those elephants, those giraffes is a very crucial, crucial um, detail in Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. Let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm going to go to the ones that he created after his image. Mm-hmm. And if I can defame them, then his image will completely be defaced in the world or distorted. And that way people always question, well, who does God look like? Because if I'm looking at these guys, you know, they're all messed up and jacked up. So we had a lot to gain by going to the ones who were created in the image of God. And I think that has to be kept in perspective that one of the themes of this war is God's character versus Satan's character, God's image versus Satan's image. I'm going to defame the image of the ones that he created like him. And then I think I'll, I'll gain some ground on that. 
Mm. Did John have any other questions that came to your minds about, about this crisis in Eden? I mean, for me, I just constantly um, think about cause and effect. You know, so Eve bites this fruit. You know, she gives it to her man. You know, he bites the fruit <laughs> as well. But at that point, was she truly thinking about the consequences or the effects, you know, of her actions? Uh, so, yeah, like, how do we, in a sense, you know, bite the fruit today? I feel like when we, when we talk about Eden, it almost sounds magical because right. they had work to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how long they were in there before this happened right. and what their day-to-day -day reality was. So why would she think about negative consequences right. in well, a perfect world? Like This is what's hard for me to wrap my head around. Which is true because sin didn't exist, but at the same time, boundaries existed. And I think this is one of the things that the lesson brought up as well. It talked about, the, like, there was a separation. You know, God created things. He set an order to things. But he also set rules in place. Mm -hmm. And so that's where cause and effect happens. If you step out of those boundaries, if you, in a sense, break a rule, right. something is going to happen. She didn't know at the time, but the minute Adam, you know, her man, right. you know, tried the fruit as well, that's when it happened. Their eyes were open. They saw they were sense. naked. They covered up. Right. And that's what I, I, I'm actually wondering now that you mentioned, we don't know if it was she bit it and then immediately thereafter gave some to him because if she ha once she bites this fruit, she, she realizes about herself. I'm going to say she was a little scared. This mm. was something new. She didn't really quite understand what was happening. And then if it was something immediate, sure, she didn't have time, but if it was something that happened a little, like, time went by and then she gave it to him, what was the motive behind that? If, so, if she had already disobeyed and she knew that she was disobeying because that was what God had told her, told her not to, why would she have gone to him and said, hey, you know, look at what just happened to me. You need to do it too. <laughs> you need to do it too. Or, or she felt guilty or shame. And like you said, misery loves company. You have to share that. She probably didn't know right away. You know, she wasn't feeling anything. She probably didn't know. And I'm sure it may have been their custom. Who knows? But, you know, if you, fi if you find something good, you're eating something, you, you want to take it to right. your spouse or take it to your loved one, have them share in that experience. So I'm sure she didn't know at the time, but it must have been terrible to know that after she took that bite that something dark happened. Well... If I might jump in there, there are some examples that our parents have given us about, you know, the immediate results of cause and effect. Mm -hmm. And probably the most classic one is don't touch that hot stove. And so mm -hmm. we touch that stove and, you know, I, I get burnt. But everything doesn't really follow that pattern of immediate contact, right. you know, and a hurtful right. response. Right. And if I can give an example about myself, pray for the pastor. Um, <laughs> when I was younger, you know, growing up, I'm sure like many of our parents, you know, you don't use bad words. Mm -hmm. But it's often, you know, it's common, I should say, that you hear your peers using bad words. And there's always kind of this tension between what I've been told versus what I hear. And there's a subtle attraction to that which is forbidden, like, mm -hmm. oh, man, they mm -hmm. are saying these negative words and nothing's happening. So then the first time, you know, Why the first time, okay? um, you know, I chose to kind of, you know, use coarse language, it was kind of like, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, nothing yeah, happened. Yeah. We're okay. Let me try it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I will not repeat these words on set. Lightning, and I wasn't immediately so, hit by lightning. So yeah. it's kind of like, well, who was telling the truth and who was telling the lie? Mm. Because again, the only negative consequence that had been spoken from God at this point was when you eat this, you're going to die. All right? Um, and so when this happens, it's like, I'm not dead. Adam, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try this. Right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. And so I think that that might have been at play there that, okay, what's happening? 
Um, so now, so now we're into today. Basically, right. what what you were going to jump into before when I stopped so you today, yeah. is basically the the effects of this crisis. Now yeah. we have, now we know we will die, but also we do now feel shame. We now have separation from Christ. There now is a need for for Jesus saving blood. Like all of these things now are our reality as a result of this crisis in right. Eden. So what what would you say, whether a verse or something you've learned in your own personal relationship with God helps you not to be completely discouraged about our situation? Because I feel like Satan will come at you with wild temptations. He'll come at you with all sorts of strategies. And if that doesn't work, he saves his special weapon is right. just be discouraged. And I'm discouraged. There's right. a lot of things that are going on in our world today and terrorism and all that. And it's like, the world is so evil, I'm just going to lock myself in my house. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what final thing would you say before we close to encourage us about our crisis, this crisis now on earth? Well, um, Daniel chapter 12, yeah. verses 1 and 2 speak about a great time of trouble, which we are kind of seeing right now. But it ends by saying that God's people will be delivered that in the final analysis, he will come and collect us. And that encourages me to know that I know how the credits are going to roll. God wins. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting what you said, um, Rich, about Daniel. Could you j just give us a little follow-up well, on that? Yeah, like you know, what encourages me during these times is Daniel 12, 1 and 2. And it kind of talks about two what seem to be extremes. One, the time of trouble, such as there's never been. But then somehow that time of trouble culminates with God coming to deliver his people. So that brings me encouragement. Right. So, so basically what you're saying, no matter how bad things get, right. me personally, I know how everything is going to play out. And I, there's always that hope. Yeah. And no matter the crisis, there is hope. And we have to follow him by faith to know that he will deliver us from that crisis. Mm -hmm. That basically the crisis is not the end. Not at all. Mm -hmm. no. Right. Because a lot of times it can feel like there's nothing more that can be done here. There's no Let's more. Let's just give up. Evil is so overwhelming that it doesn't matter, you know, what we do. Yeah. Um, but, but it does because God has control. Mm, he has a now. plan. Mm. Uh, for me, I think it's in 2 Timothy, I think 1.9, the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, yeah. mm. but of power of love and a sound mind. And so when I know whenever fear comes in, that's not the spirit of God. Mm. You see. Uh -huh. And for me, it would be um, from the previous lesson we had said, um, God will never tempt you more than he knows that you can handle. Mm -hmm. he, he knows you and he is aware of what, what will be able to make your relationship with him stronger. And for me, so long, I know that he, he has my best interests. And so long as I make sure that I am in my relationship with him, no, no wrong, I guess, would come from that. For me, I just like to think of it as an opportunity because in the lesson, it also used the word co-regents. Wow. Like we co-regents with God. Like we yeah. can work with him or we can be used by Satan. Mm -hmm. And it's like I, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and, and the fact that God Almighty is my, is my creator and my sustainer, I'm now able, even though I'm part of a fallen race, I'm now able to be useful to God and to enjoy my relationship with him and be fully his child. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, that's where I, I get discouraged, but then I kind of like talk myself out of my own mental funk <laughs> right. by focusing on the fact that, hey, you know, God is like, you're, you're so vital to my, my mission, and I'm right. gonna, you know, I died to make you a missionary and to give this hope. As, as discouraging as it gets, it's kind of like, wait, 
I know the solution, Jesus, and I have him, so I can give him and, right. and be the light in that darkness. So can you give like one quick sentence, wrap up, like just summarize this entire, entire lesson? Jesus wins, Satan loses. Deliverance, yeah, deliverance. Yeah, the crisis has been corrected and will culminate in a coronation. <laughs> thank goodness we have a pastor here. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being with us. If you want more information, visit www.sabbathschool.org.